Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this episode of Helpline that we are attempting to do from my home (laughs) because I am based in Sydney and we are in lockdown. So uh, I will preface this episode, this this podcast by saying that you may hear A, the planes going overhead as I live in a flight path, or B, my children who I have sent out to the shed and um, am fervently hoping stay there and don't kill each other, or as I have noticed working in lockdown and doing interviews, the postman might come. Uh, because the only way to survive lockdown, as we all know, is to buy more indoor plants. Yes. Uh, joining us today is the wonderful Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good, thank you. And uh, Chris has over 30 years' experience helping parents all over Australia with their little ones, whether it's babies and sleeping rhythms or toddlers and feeding issues, or it could be a mixture of the two. Um, so you're, it's your opportunity now to ask Chris those questions. If you've joined us on Facebook Live, you can pop your questions below. If you'd uh, rather stay anonymous, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. That's also how you can get in touch if you're listening via the podcast. And we also have a helpline group on Facebook, so you can post your questions there. Let's get stuck into it, though. We have, I wanted to start actually, this isn't a question. This is a success story, Chris. So we we rotate our um, experts. This is a thank you to Jo Ryan, who's also one of our um, experts. But she has, uh, Anita has emailed in to say, I just wanted to say, right to say thank you so, so much for your help with my now one-year-old boy's sleep by the Feed, Play, Love podcast, the episode on the 23rd of June, (laughs) Uh, May, sorry. Uh, It was so valuable to be able to play the podcast for my husband so we were on the same page and knew what to expect. My fabulous husband decided to take on the role of resettling him as he was previously fed back to sleep. The first night took over an hour of patting him in his cot, but my husband says he didn't get frustrated like he used to when attempting to settle him because of the expectation created by you, Joe, that it could take a few hours. Mm. After just a couple of nights, he was resettling himself, no longer waking after only an hour of sleep, and I can now enjoy a wine at night because I know I won't be feeding or co-sleeping. From a mum who feels like she has her life back, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a lovely way to start the show, huh? Gorgeous way. And I think, you know, both Joe and I work very similarly in what we say. And I think the toughest thing for parents is getting over that first hurdle and that it's going to take time. But once you get over it, I think the improvement just comes and comes and comes from that point. Yeah, and knowing, like she said, the husband knowing is going to take a little while to get through it. And it's the expectation, isn't it? It is. It is set in the expectation that nothing in childhood is you could... Um, attest to it happens in a few minutes (laughs) (laughs) and it all takes time (laughs) (laughs) that is very true Um, we have a question from Mandy in our helpline group she says hello so glad Chris is on to help me I am totally stuck my little boy 10 and a half months old has not slept through the night for months despite my best efforts efforts of resettling Our weeks are completely random at the moment. We will have two or three good nights, only one wake up usually between midnight and 2 a.m. And he has a feed. 
he has a feed then, but turns over and sleeps straight away on his own. The bad nights are bad. From midnight onwards, he could wake as often as every half an hour until four. During that time, I'll feed him on his first wake up. We'll only resettle by holding and rocking, feeding on the second wake up, holding and rocking for the third, and eventually I give up and hold him until he's sound asleep before I transfer him back to his cot. Lately, he has been more willing to be left in his cot for longer to settle on his own, but then can wake up fully and play for hours. To go to sleep for all his naps and at bedtime, he is bed, read a story, and then put in his cot to go to sleep on his own, which he does very well. He has two naps, first for one hour and the second for two and a half hours. What am I doing wrong? Doesn't look on the on the top line, doesn't look like you're doing anything wrong in terms of he's getting enough sleep in the day, so he's not overtired. I think at 10 and a half months, I'd be dropping the night feed so that that's not a confusion. Like on a good night, he gets it on the on the nights where he's more um, waking more frequently, he gets it in a pattern. I think he's old enough not to get it at all now. And that will help because um you're doing the right thing even on the bad nights where you feed him and then settle him once and then feed him, so you're not feeding him every time he gets up. But what we don't have is the strategy around how you put him to sleep. So as a 10-month-old, I would be hoping that the majority of the time he's going to sleep independently, so into a sleeping bag, um, cuddle and kiss, put into there, dim the room, walk out, self-settling, and that this is initially a night problem. And it might be coming from the stemming from still having one feed or feeding overnight. So I think this aligns up with what we were talking about before. In this case, it's about the resettle. And with that resettling, um, that it is going to take time, but the improvement should happen within days. So in, with a 10-month-old, I'd just be leaving him for a short period, three to five minutes, then I'd go to the door and just say it's time for sleep or put your head down, one or the other, just to give him a cue. And then I don't say much after that. So going in, laying him down and patting him. If he gets really worked up, give him a quick cuddle and put him back down and go back to patting him again. When I leave, once he's calm and I leave and he, he starts up again, then I just leave him a little bit longer than I did the first time. So if you've only left him for two minutes the next time, next time I might leave him to three or four minutes just to give him a bigger chance because those big 10-month-olders can walk around the cot for a long time so before they wear themselves out. And this is one of those things like picking the right time. So I'd pick the weekend where there's less pressure on everybody to do it. The first night, it is going to take an hour or more to, to get him to sleep, but you should see the improvement on the second and the third night. So consistency is the message here. The way we put him down in the day is also the way that we put him down at night and it's the way that we encourage him to resettle again. The next question comes from Maeve. She says, hi, team. I'm really struggling with my 12-month-old going to sleep in her cot since she fell and bumped her head, her head in there a few weeks back. She's learned to stand up, but her balance isn't great, and she toppled into the cot rails, which gave her a huge fright and a bruise on her head. Now she seems afraid of the cot. She's been tantruming every time we put her in there for naps and bedtimes, and it takes sometimes hours of us staying with her and soothing her to sleep. 
She's fallen asleep in the lounge room a couple of times on the floor once, had to laugh at that, and I'm taken to just leaving her there to avoid the cot tantrums. Of course, this means I have to hover around the lounge room until she wakes, watching to be sure she doesn't roll off the couch. At night, once she's asleep, she usually stays asleep all night. But sometimes my husband and I are so exhausted from an hour or more of soothing her, we've taken her into our bed to co-sleep a few times. We know this is likely confusing the whole issue, but we are desperate. Is there anything we can do to make her happier in her cot? Surely she's still too young to go into a regular bed. Oh, she's far too young to go into a regular bed. But I think what we have to do is take two approaches here. One is to get her feeling more secure about her cot. And the second one is previous, like the when we were talking about the 10-month-old, it's going to be a little bit of give and take to get her back to it. Now, the thing that I'm finding with babies falling over at 12 months, because they're fairly steady if they pull to stand, like they'll hang on for a long time, is that their sleeping bags are too big. So they trip over the sleeping bag and, and you'll notice that sleeping bags come in lots of different sizes, but big sizing in length, not so much in width, but in length. So first I'd make sure that her sleeping bag wasn't too big and she was tripping over the sleeping bag. And the second thing I do is I would play with her in the room for a little bit and play with her in the cot outside of sleep windows, like throw a whole lot of stuffed toys in there um, and put her in there and don't leave the room and the blinds up and we're just playing with the toys, even if we're just throwing the toys out and get her confidence with being back in that bed again. So I do that for a few days. Um, what it doesn't tell us is that this behaviour is happening at the night, but what is happening in the day? So I'm assuming that you're having difficulty with the day as well if she if it's associated with that knock on the knock on the head, and they all do that. So the last part after I've done that for a few days is to make sure that we're really consistent with all that we do. And like we spoke about in the last question, is popping her in there. Um, for her, I just stand at the door for a few minutes because she's had a lot of visual contact over the last few weeks. And then I'd say, it's time for sleep. And then I'd leave. And then I'd do the same thing. I'd leave her for a few minutes, then go back and lay her down and pat her um, and repeat that until she's gone to sleep. So I think the important thing you here is how is she going to sleep in the day also? Because we want it consistent right across the whole pattern. And But before that, I would get her feeling more comfortable with the cot, okay? Outside of sleep times. Yeah, outside of sleep times. This next question comes from Kylie. She says, my eight-week-old does not sleep during the day for any more than 20 minutes at a time. Sometimes it's only tiny 10-minute micro naps. I've been able to get her to sleep for longer by sitting in her dark room and soothing her until she's deeply asleep, which can take half an hour and means I have to leave my three-year-old alone watching TV the whole time. She's basically exhausted all day long. As soon as I pick her up, she starts nodding off and cries if I put her down. I'm so confused about whether to let her sleep in my arms and when to keep her awake to get her tired enough to sleep on her own for more than a few minutes. She breastfeeds three hourly during the day and night, though we have been able to stretch her out to five hours at night sometimes. Her nighttime sleep is actually great. If It's these daytime mini naps that are a big problem. Do you have any advice on a routine or some guidelines around her sleep awake times at this age? 
So I think the first thing is she's only eight weeks old. So she's only a young bubba and it's okay to get sleep the way you need to get sleep, but we can put some structure around that. I think she's very overtired at the moment. So she was sleeping well, that's broken down. And so over the next two to three days, I would get sleep and I would not worry about how I got the sleep because this little lady needs a bit more sleep in the day. So that means carrier or pram and rocking or her bed and sitting with her a bit longer, I would get the sleep. After that, I'd go back to rhythm. And it sounds like you've got the idea of rhythm. So she feeds every three to three and a half hours in the day. She's an eight-week-old, so she's probably awake somewhere between an hour and a quarter and an hour and a half watching cue signs for sleep or tiredness and then making sure we've got a couple of cues that help her with the sleep, such as wrapping her, cuddling her, um, then putting her down. At the moment, I'd probably cuddle her till she's sleepy just so we can make that transition over the next couple of weeks. So rocking her till she's sleepy, putting her in a bed and then rocking her a little bit in her bed. And I know that this takes time and it's really difficult juggling the three-year-old and a newborn, but I suspect how she got this way was how do you make that juggle work? And she does need this little bit of help at the moment. So to recap, a couple of days of just getting the sleep, don't worry about how you get the sleep. You're doing the right thing with the three to three and a half hourly feeds. Her awake cycle is roughly an hour and 15 to an hour and a half, but watch her cue signs for tiredness. Those micro sleeps that you're talking about, they come in when she's completely overtired. So we're sort of trying to get that sleep deficit back again before we teach her to sleep. And then wrapping, cuddling, cuddling her till she's sleepy, put her down, body rocking her, tuck her in and leave. And that should slowly start to turn this pattern around for you. Our next question comes from Patrick. He says, my wife is due with baby number three in August and our son will be three and a half years old and my daughter will be just turning two. We have a three-bedroom house and we are wanting to move our daughter into our son's room so the baby can have the best chance at sleeping in a dark, quiet room. Do you have some tips to make the, the disruption as minimal as possible? We're not sure if we should move our daughter's cot into our son's room, then transition to a bed down the track or do it all in one hit. Move her to the new room and directly into a new big girl's bed. We'd love your advice. Okay. So lots of people um, have a similar situation where they're going to move two children together. The first thing is I would move them together at least six to eight weeks before that baby's due. Okay, so really think about which room is the bigger of those two rooms and put the two little ones together in that room. I personally don't take them out of cots till they're two and a half when they've got that more cognitive understanding of staying in your bed. And I think if you moved her in with your son and took her out of the cot, there'd be all sorts of antics going on in that bedroom. So because a little baby doesn't need a cot straight off, um, you might have a bassinet or a borrowed cot for the baby, then um, I would be more, more along the lines of putting her cot in the room with your three-and-a-half-year-old son and letting them get used to being in the room together before I would put her in her bed. And the other trick with this age group is that we put the two-year-old to bed before the three-and-a-half-year-old. So something like a two-year-old might be going to bed around, I don't know, quarter past seven, half past seven. 
So put her to bed and get her to sleep for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and then just take your son in and put him into bed. So his story and the time that you spend with him is done outside the room and then we teach him just going quietly and that will make that transition much easier for everybody because everybody will be asleep. So making that move somewhere around that six to eight week time, put the cot in there, um, leave her in the cot till she's about two and a half. So if you have to borrow something, getting that ready and putting her to bed earlier, just slightly earlier than him is going to help them both transition to be in that room together. The next question comes from Jen. She says, hi, Chris, I need help with my five-year-old daughter's severe separation anxiety. Ever since I went back to work three years ago when she was two, it was also around the time her dad and I separated, she has cried and clung to me whenever I drop her off at places and has also been overly clinging at home, clingy at home, always needing to know where I am and following me from room to room. She's even upset when I drop her to her nan's or dad's homes, the same at preschool. She does settle in after a short time and she has a good time. She's progressing well at preschool and they say that other than her separation anxiety, she'll be ready for big school next year. I'm not so sure. We have about seven months till she starts big school. So I'm wondering if you have any tips that might help get this separation anxiety to settle down and get her ready for the big school transition. I'm so emotionally drained from it all and just want her to be happy to leave me and not be anxious. I think this is a really difficult one and a really tough one considering it's been three years since the separation. So I wonder whether this little one really does have anxiety about separation as opposed to a moment in her life where the the separation of the parents happened and now it's more into a normal existence for them all. So the first thing I'd be asking is, does she actually suffer from some sort of anxiety? Because all the basic things I'm sure you have tried. So things like really giving her warning about the separation. So we're going to preschool today. Mummy's packed your bag. We're going to go in 10 minutes. When we get there, I'm going to give you a kiss of a cuddle and I'll be back at three o'clock or five o'clock. So I think that pre-warning helps. I think then you have to look at the whole week. So how much time does she spend with you versus maybe her father? Um, and when, how, how long she goes to daycare for? Like does she go five days a week from seven till six? So it's about that quantity of time and how good that quantity of time is. Because I think what it is is in some way she's fretting about whether you're going to come back. So in the very simplest form, one of the things that you can do, which I do with three-year-olds when they're struggling with going to preschool or, or daycare, is I give them something of yours that you have to come back to get. So you might give her your watch, although you might need that, but a watch (laughs) and say, mummy will be back to get this watch anew at two o'clock and then really giving her a lot of time. So if they're long days of daycare, because that's the way life is, then that time when you pick her up to the time she goes to bed needs to be all about her, as in that we're not distracted by you know, things like the telephone and email, Um, I just need to. She doesn't want to know about, I just need to. She just wants that time with you. So it could be, can you help me with, here's a stool, can you chop this carrot while we prepare dinner? It's 
where her anxiety seems to come from is her fear that you're going to leave her. But in this case, she is a five-year-old. And I think if it hasn't resolved itself in three years, you may want to then start speaking to somebody about some more strategies, whether that's individually with her or with both of you in your relationship so that she can handle this, especially for school. I think she'll struggle more because there's such big concepts when they go to school. And so I think if you haven't got her in a better place in a couple of months, that maybe the childcare centre could give you a recommendation for a child psychologist that could help you with more strategies for her. Excellent. Well, good luck with that one. Um, This one comes from Kelly. She says, help, my nine-month-old daughter keeps biting my breast as we're breastfeeding. (laughs) Happened to me too. Um, (laughs) She has had her two bottom teeth for almost two months now, but in the past two weeks is when she when the biting has begun she's doing it every feed and it's so painful I've tried saying no firmly and gently putting her down for a minute but she seems to get frightened and upset and then won't go back on the boob to feed I'm being extra careful to ensure we have a good latch but she takes a few good mouthfuls then changes position and starts biting down I'm not ready to wean her but is she telling me she wants to wean is there anything I can do to reduce the biting I think you're doing the right things, um, Kelly, in what we do. But sometimes they bite when there's not enough supply. Like when they didn't have teeth, they'd sort of readjust their gum lines to get the flow going. So the first thing I'd be thinking if you tried putting the dap and picking a buck up and saying no biting, and the fact that it's only recently started and she's actually had teeth for two months, I wonder whether this is your supply and whether maybe the supply is slowing down. So maybe doing a one-off express just to see what your supply has got. Not that that tells us everything, but if you could get 100 mils in, I don't know, five minutes and she's feeding for five minutes, maybe she doesn't need more than that. And nine-month-olds do feed very quickly, like three or four minutes. So, you know, I think you need to work out, is this a supply issue? She might be more efficient and you're still putting her on, or actually your supply is dropping. But that's the most common reason in that age group is that your supply is dropping and they bite, as opposed to a one-off bite when they've got teeth and they haven't worked out where to put their teeth on your gum, uh, on your breasts. So have a little think about this, but it could be the supply that's the problem. Right, I feel for you. (laughs) Um, This question comes from Chloe. She says, hi, ladies, hoping you can help me get my breastfed six-month-old's nighttime sleep into some routine. I honestly thought she'd be sleeping better by now, but it's a mess. We're aiming for a 6 p.m. bedtime after a good breastfeed and a quiet evening routine, but she's up again by 10 p.m., wide awake and wanting more boob. From there, she wakes hourly right through the night. She will happily fall back to sleep on the breast, but with the hourly waking, I don't want to feed her back to sleep every time. And they aren't even good long feeds. About five minutes is all it takes. Her usual breastfeeds are around three hourly through the day, and she has just started trying some solid foods. 
I've worked hard to get her cat naps in the daytime into one morning nap that goes for around an hour and one long two to three hour nap in the afternoon, which I get her up from by 3 p.m. She likes to be swaddled tightly after a feed and quiet lullaby music helps with some shushing and patting till she dozes off. But this only works in the day and for bedtime. At night, she just wriggles and cries till I pick her up and soothe her with the breast. Is she too young for self-settling at night? I just don't know where to start and my brain is in a total fog with this broken sleep. Any wise words would be very much appreciated. Oh, happy to help. So with a six-month in general, we usually have four milk feeds in the day and we have two meals, whether they're two little meals, but two meals, one around breakfast, one around dinner. So this might help because... She's waking frequently at night, which, which is partly through habit, but it could also be through feeding because that last feed of the day, you're putting her into bed at 6 o'clock. That means the last feed of the day must be between around 5.30, quarter to 6. Then by 10 o'clock she could be hungry because most six-month-olds are getting on sort of one feed overnight. And then there's the habit. So the waking every hour that's usually waking on the sleep cycle. So they're waking, so in a, a sleep cycle at night's an hour and 10 to 2.20. So she's sort of waking in that sleep cycle. And then she's, and she's proving that she's not hungry because she has two minutes and then goes back to sleep. So that's, that's the habit of going back to sleep. So let's correct the day. And generally at six months, they still have three sleeps in the day. So I wonder whether she's tired as well and therefore she's not feeding as frequently. So a pattern, this is just my version of a pattern, so everybody's individual, would be maybe she has a feed, I'm going to do the example of 6am, so she could have a feed at 6am, then maybe a little bit of breakfast at 7, then the next feed would be around 9.30.10, then the next feed would be around, say, 1.32.00, little bit of dinner at 4.35 and then a breastfeed at 6.30. And she'd have to sleep really well to only have two sleeps in the day. So normally they have three sleeps and they're awake for about two hours. So they have about an hour and a half in the first one, maybe a little half an hour one, and then another hour and a half or two hours in the afternoon or the reverse where they have two big ones and a little one. So I think there's a little bit of confusion across and I think her sleep has been difficult and that's why you've worked so hard to get those two sleeps. But I think she's overtired and therefore the sleep, the feed at the end of the day isn't sustaining her. The behaviour where she wakes every hour, then that's more on the hour and she's using a quick feed to go back to sleep or quick suck to go back to sleep. So once you've got the day under control, then what I would move to is feeding her four hourly at night so that when she does feed, she feeds properly. So between 6 and 10 or actually 6.30 and 10.30, maybe your partner could settle her and give you a little bit of a break, but she seems to sleep all right there. From 10.30, she gets resettled till till sort of 2.30 and then 2.30 will take her through till 6, 6.30 in the morning. Resettling her at six months. Um, would be only a little bit of crying, then going in and patting her off to sleep. And sometimes that's good to be done by the partner so that she doesn't get that association of seeing mum, feed mum. So it breaks that a little bit. 
So it's a few steps you've got to look at here. Um, I'd introduce the solids to maybe help you nights, move to the four milk feeds in the day, move to four hourly feeding at night and some gentle resettling in her bed should start to see you moving forward and getting better sleep at night. Well, thank you, Chris. I can't believe it. We've made it up to time now. Thank you for all your answers. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, if you want a private one-on-one with Chris Minogue, you can do so even if you're in lockdown by going to the Parent School website and booking a one-on-one session with Chris. You'll find the details in uh, the links in the notes of this episode but also below this Facebook Live if you're watching us on Facebook. Um, So we will be back next week with more questions. Make sure you pop them in our helpline group or email them through and we will see you next week. Take care. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.